developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run we're gonna help out the best way we know how by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week health iq and Squarespace. Squarespace! Family's not, not in the house. <laughs> I get to do a real good one this week. That was pretty fun. Uh, they bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and the many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. Christian Spicer and Christian, we are in a weird situation right now because the viewers, the listeners, our audience, they know whether or not my beloved 49ers have won the Super Bowl. And we do not. We are in the past. They are in the future. We're recording early so I can enjoy the Super Bowl in its full glory. Dress, uh, and they- punched over, clenched fist. Yeah. Shut up! Shut up! I'm watching! Shut up! Yeah, that's called joy for me. That's called uh, enjoying it. And uh, so I'm either, you know, very happy as people are listening to this or very sad. We sitting here in, in the past do not know. It's a pretty crazy I, experience. How about this? this? This will cover me. This will cover me. The Kansas City 49ers and the San Francisco Chiefs put up. I mean, it was a game. I mean, it wasn't it didn't play out the way I expected it to. But um, I mean, it was entertaining. Uh, the halftime show, it had its moments, but ultimately was kind of. You know, nothing can compare to Prince. And my favorite commercial go. was the Porsche one. That Porsche commercial was incredible. It was so fun to see so many Porsches across generations all on the screen as a car guy. I loved it. What did you think of that trailer reveal, though? I mean, it was all right. But I think for me, the biggest moment was like uh, Bloomberg spending $10 million on a Super Bowl ad, which is like whatever. <laughs> but I guess that's like me going to Starbucks in the morning for him. So all in all, I think it was a good day. Um, the game always feels a little too long for me, but it was fun. I'm going to go ahead and just assume that the Niners won in a triumphant fashion and so that I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if that's not the Genius case, you know, <laughs> send help. <laughs> uh, but my goodness, you heard you heard that third voice, and I'm so excited because DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC once again stands for Danish Live from Chicago. 
Because we have board game designer, host of Someone Should Make This Podcast, senior artist at NetherRealm Studios, upcoming GDC talker, and one of my very favorite people in the world, Mr. Danish Syed. Hey, Danish! Hey, guys. Awesome to be here. This is actually the first time I'm on the show with both of you, Jeff and Christian. So... That's kind of weird, right? It's too much awesome. There's, we've, we've been <laughs> unable to contain it up until now. I know. It's hey, like hearing a movie go. and surround sound for the first time. Yeah, sorry. I'm <laughs> out of here. I can't. I can't handle it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, I want to talk a couple about a couple things before we even get into the show. First of all, your podcast, Someone Should Make This, is a delight and such a great idea. Uh, it's actually about great ideas. And you uh, tell people what it is, And first of all, and second of all, some of the ideas that you have come up with on the podcast actually became things later, right? Uh, yeah, what, what I, I can't think off the top of my head, but that's definitely has happened. And sometimes people will email us and say, hey, that game you talked about, it kind of exists already. And we're like, awesome. Someone made it already. That's great. <laughs> so the, the premise of the show is every week, uh, me and a couple other designer friends, we get together and just kind of brainstorm ideas. We pitch ideas to each other of what would be a cool game that we'd always want to see. Or if we are kind of like doing our own thing. We suddenly get this kind of burst of an idea. Then we pitch it on the show and then we kind of flesh it out into a full featured game. Um, the last episode we did was a, a really good one where uh, the premise was back in the day on the NES, uh, we would often get a lot of weird sequels. Like for example, Mario 1 to Mario 2 or Zelda 1 to Zelda 2 where they introduced like side-scrolling action. Yeah. And we don't really get that anymore. Like every game is a very kind of evolutionary a step from the previous game. I mean, there's like sometimes side sequels or like spinoffs and stuff. Right. But So our challenge was like, okay, take a game, a very popular AAA game, and make a weird sequel to it. And so we did an awesome sequel pitch for Horizon Zero Dawn where oh. we turned it on its head and we made it about – and it was so perfect because as we were talking, we're like, this is so good. Like this – this has to be what they do, right? <laughs> because it's perfect. <laughs> like you, as you're hunting like those robo dinosaurs, like pieces are falling off. That's already in the game. So what if the game was about uh, grinding for these materials and starting to build your own dinosaur army? And Whoa. then it becomes a little bit of like a territorial, like uh, area control. You're commanding your dinosaur units and there's still action. And maybe there's like giant dinosaur bosses. So it's a little bit of a shadow of Colossus type thing. And, so we just kind of went nuts and threw out all these awesome ideas. So that was a really fun episode. That was like last week's. I, I feel like it. we still get those changes, but you're right in that they're framed very differently. Because like now it's, it would be billed as like a reboot, a soft relaunch, like Tomb Raider right. to the current Tomb Raider, God of War 3 or Ascension to God of War 2018. I would um, say those are still sort of evolutionary. I think the better example we talk about on the show is like, the Gears of War tactics game for iOS. Like that's the yeah. kind of thing where it's like, so that's what we were aiming at. But, and we ended up actually just kind of not doing that. And we made it just an awesome Horizon 2 sequel. So I love it. Very cool. And again, that's called Someone Should Make This, which is a, a podcast you should listen to. It's great. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into the show now and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiding our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. There's cool folks hanging out there. 
posting stories, talking about the show. I urge you to join them. Give it a shot. Uh, but Danish, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I think the most tantalizing story this week was um, off of Kotaku, a survey that was sent out um, by Sony asking if, hey, do you guys want to stream PS4 games on your Switch? As if you needed to even ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, nah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that's incredible. I mean, even the possibility that's awesome. And and then there was a, a kind of a sister story to that on Vice uh, about GeForce Now kind of coming out with this new beta where you can stream from your graphics card and you can use your Steam library and that sort of stuff. And so I think that just this whole kind of um, streaming future gaining head is uh, head of Steam is like pretty exciting right now. Yeah, yeah, and and it it certainly feels like the beginnings of what some people, uh, myself included, have kind of <laughs> predicted this generation might be, which is this idea of being able to play things anywhere, on anything, all the time. It just feels like what this next console generation is going to be about. Maybe not right at the beginning, but by the end of its five-year life cycle, it seems like we're just going to be able to play everything on everything, right? I feel like there's like a giant Venn diagram of, yeah, everything on everything except for Sony and Microsoft. For some reason, I just can't see them cross uh, mingling. But yes. You won't be able to play Sony games on an Xbox, is what you're saying? Right. Yeah. But even that, you know, I don't know. Man, how did Nintendo just manage to sort of be like, hey, we're Switzerland, man. We're we're crushing everybody in sales, but you guys are the ones that are competing. (laughs) I don't know how they pulled that one off, but that was pretty slick. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we had a story this week about switch sales. It's like, it's dominating everything. And yet Microsoft and Sony are the ones, you know, that seem like they're in the big war. Uh, but I mean, funny. to that point, I, I think it makes, and again, this is still a, it was a survey question and Sony, um, has not always followed through on all of those things. You know, it's not like they're going to do this. Um, but if you are positioning yourself as a service provider, as so many, what I will call like, late stage uh, electronic manufacturers find themselves pivoting to, it seems like. I think you want to have your service on the device everybody has, right? Like next step, Android. I mean, I guess PlayStation now is already on Android and iOS, but it's that, right? Get it on the device you have. So if Nintendo is crushing it and selling the hardware, heck yes, I want Netflix on you, you know, or whatever it is. I want the place where I can get your money on the thing you already have you're telling me that I don't need to make the hardware that is often sold for a marginal profit or sometimes at a loss and I can still get my li- air quote licensing fees, you know, equivalency. That sounds like a win. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly seems like, you know, I, this is all tied, I would guess, to the cost of big AAA games these days and how it seems to me that these companies view install base as a limitation. And why not? If you're going to spend that kind of money to create these kind of big AAA experiences, why not allow as many people as possible to purchase them? I think that's why you're seeing more and more Sony exclusives coming to PC. And that's why you're seeing this kind of question being floated. It it seems like, hey, yeah, we have a whole bunch of PlayStation 4s that are sold. We're crushing it. But that's not the total number, number of people that would buy God of War or Horizon Zero Dawn or whatever game you want to put. Uh, so let's figure out ways that we can deliver those titles to more people. And I think 
I think that's the reality that's going to happen in this in this next console generation. Is yeah, they're going to still be delivering uh, hardware, and and that hardware is going to have exclusive titles. But I think they're going to allow those things to be streamed to other places and be people to play them. And I wonder, Danish, how you feel about that future. I mean, we were talking before we started recording a little bit about your um, use of Stadia and how you've been using it. Um, are you the convenience factor? Do you think that wins you over or is there something still missing for you? Uh, definitely the convenience factor. I think what's missing right now, and I think in this Vice article, um, I think it was written by a uh, friend of the show, Patrick Klepek, was rightly pointed out that the biggest problem with Stadia is that it has the games have to be released on Stadia. The, right. the, the ideal scenario is any game you own can be played streaming. And that's what right. uh, this GeForce Now potentially promises because it's like it hooks into your Steam library or whatever. And so I think that's the biggest thing. And, Je- and um, Christian, you were talking about cross saves as well. It's like all kind of the same problem is like rebuying things, replaying things because of their segmentation. If that problem is solved, then absolutely convenience was going to win out above everything else. I had that experience exactly to, or not today, this week uh, with one of the games I'll talk about in our playlist segment. Uh, I was purchasing a game that I was excited about and it was available both on Steam and on Switch. And it's an indie-ish kind of title and one that I could imagine playing a lot on Switch. But I also, it I found out it supports ultra-wide. <laughs> I was like... You know, I kind of want to play this on my big monitor. I and I was really torn. And I think this is a a decision that we will have to make less and less. It will be a decision that will not impact people in five years because it's going to be a moot point. Because you won't just buy the one version. I mean, you will just buy the one version. You won't just buy one that's specific to a specific kind of method of playing you, you'll just buy that game and then it'll stream on whatever the thing is that you want and it won't matter hopefully yeah and i think that will be an improvement you know i i think so two points here i think one i agree with pretty much everything you both have said but i think in stadia's mind they are positioning themselves as to be the thing like you don't need to buy it on anything else because you buy it on stadia right and you can play it anywhere it's kind of the premise of their promise right where it's like you buy it on Stadia, you can play it on your PC, you can play it on your mobile device, you can play it on your TV, you can play it on your laptop. You don't need to worry about if your hardware can run it, like to download it or whatever, because that's not how it plays. But but um, the, the thing I would add, that at least that sold me, was that they were also saying, hey, it's designed for Stadia because we are a step above anything that's possible. You know, we're... and oh, that's, sure, just that's another... But it yes. hasn't proven to be true, right? That That's Correct. the thing that is is frustrating to me is that, yeah, I was willing to go with you on games have to be designed for Stadia and can't just be your Steam library or whatever because you were telling me that Stadia was going to be, you know, a 10x leap in power because of the power of the cloud and all the, you know, systems strung together. It just hasn't proven to be accurate. And I hope maybe some of their first party stuff will leverage that and show that potential. But that's, to me, the biggest frustration point. Sure. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's something unrelated to what I was talking about. So I, I was just trying to talk about the idea of bringing your save with you or buying it on, like, Darksiders, buying it on multiple consoles or areas. I think if, if Stadia had their way, and again, these there, there are multiple failed promises with Stadia at this point. 
But their idea is you don't need to buy it multiple places because if you buy it with us, that is the only place you need it because you can now play it everywhere through us. It is right. part of their part of their promise. And what I'd like to see unrelated to that is like a stopgap, like the type of thing that, you know, my kids will look at and be like, why'd you ever do that? And I'd be like, you're right. In the blip of history, this is a very small moment, but I needed it to carry me over. Yeah, into I, the- I bought a, uh, a video iPod. I really right. yes exactly yes 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 I need I, I want my video iPod and what I want for that is just cross save like because so many games have already supported it um, Fortnite being a huge example Destiny two being a great example like I'm okay I mean it's not the ideal situation again this is stopgap but I'm okay with buying the same game on multiple consoles if I choose to right. If I can bring my save over, like I would choose to do that for some games for the convenience factor, like Witcher 3, I would own on my Switch if I wouldn't lose my entire Blood of Wine playthrough and like whatever the 35 hours I am into the main campaign just to have with me for a little bit. Like that expense of that $50 or something that I could justify and rationalize. And there are a lot of games like that. Mortal Kombat, I would definitely have on something else other than Switch. (laughs) (laughs) now if i could bring my save over uh onto other onto my pc um and so that's the stopgap i want like that save file isn't big and again i'm not an engineer i'm not a programmer i don't know how hard that is but because destiny and fortnite and i think rocket league and so many games a few games that i like have shown me it's possible i want that and then i'll buy the game multiple places and then hopefully whatever five ten years from now i won't even need to do that but that's the thing that bums me out right now Here's a yeah. random question. Would you prefer that or cross-play where you actually play multiplayer games with other console owners? I personally would prefer cross-save because I you play have more multi- single-player games, I guess. Yeah, despite my love of multiplayer, it's not the thing that hooks right. me more often than not. Not that those are yeah. mutually exclusive, just curious. Correct, yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, that's that's just more about my personal play habits than it is anything i think else. i agree with both of you yeah i think for me too cross save is more important but also short answer danish is both yeah <laughs> i also feel like it impacts, it. it impacts you more I, I guess if you if you are one of those people that has uh, a lot of close friends that are on different consoles you'll feel more passionately about the other idea but or, you know about cross play but cross save certainly feels to me like a more impactful thing with regard to your time investment yeah. in something um even if you if even if you are a big multiplayer gamer right, it feels like you know the, your time investment if to be able to carry that onto multiple different systems it just it just feels better to me but yeah and then the other point that i wanted to make on this and, and we can move on if you all don't find it interesting is the geforce now uh so i'm in the beta and disclosures pretty much and everything we talk about please know you or I or the guest likely have a friend at the company somewhere. <laughs> like we've been doing this long enough. So we have friends at NVIDIA. Um, just know that. But I am in the beta of GeForce Now, and I really like it for, for what it does. I think for me, it's current iteration. And this uh, Vice article is kind of talking about a rumor that hasn't been confirmed yet about what it will grow to be when it's paid. But for me, the biggest limitations, I don't think it's super intuitive. Like I log in, I start GeForce Now, and then it opens, like I need to log into my Steam profile, then it shows me my Steam library, then some games are playable, others aren't, and then I have to like down, virtually download it, 
end of the class. It's like just a few weird hmm. UI style HUD things that aren't as seamless as I'd like them to be. And then the question I have for the rumor, which basically says almost your entire Steam library um, will be playable via GeForce now when it launches. Um, I'm curious where the lawyers, and, or not the lawyers, the IP holders are going to start raising questions about this because we live in a world where GTAs get pulled from you know digital storefronts because they lost the license to the music or you can't port over this other game from this other system because that licensing agreement has been gone. And I'm curious how systems like GeForce Now, and maybe they've worked it out, allow for streaming of a game on a virtual cloud, you know, air quote, console or PC, like does the EULA of my purchase cover that? Or is this a place where publishers and developers will look to get another cut because that is technically another sale or install of the game? I think that's a place we're going to see people flex because they didn't flex early on with iTunes, early on with Netflix. And then you see the content creators, the people who own the IP to the content being like, wait a minute, you can't just put my stuff anywhere. I and maybe they've worked it out, but that's where my legal brain is very curious. I think that's totally going to happen. Uh, not maybe not uh, widespread, but here and there, it's very similar to like um, cable companies. Like, in fact, funny enough, Roku and Fox with the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, yeah, Happy like, Super that's, Bowl. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. Well, they did. I guess they just worked out a last minute deal. It it wasn't a power play at all. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like I think that that might happen. Um, I think that's a good call, but I can't see it being a. Just like in this cable streaming thing, I feel like it's more of an outlier than the norm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting point for sure. It just feels like we're so far down that road already. They would, yeah. it seems like somebody would have thought of that before now. But <laughs> I think the music industry would have wised up to streaming before they did. Well, <laughs> I mean, yes. Right. Uh, interesting. Uh, Christian, what is your story of the week? So. I don't have tons of information about it, but I want to pitch it to you two. I think it's very interesting. So if it doesn't require much attention, we don't need it. But I found the Torchlight Frontiers now no longer being the free-to-play online required freemium game. Torchlight Frontiers and now being rebranded as Torchlight, Tor- sorry, Torchlight 3. Fascinating. Yeah, really, really fascinating. Where Torchlight, a very popular franchise, one I believe both you and I, Jeff, have talked about. I love in the past. Love Torchlight games. Yes, Frontiers did nothing for me. I don't think we talked about it on this show. Like, no. It didn't even show up as a blip on my radar. And then all of a sudden, I saw headlines for Torchlight Three, and I was like, "Oh, we're going to get a new Torchlight! <laughs> Yay!" And then what I find fascinating is the idea of this rebranding, rebreaking of it older game but repackaging it as something new and so there's two issues here i think are interesting one is the the specific is torchlight frontiers doing enough to earn being called torchlight three and two generally how do we feel about this and other examples i thought of were marvel heroes or the diablo marvel game whatever it's called yeah Um, they like completely renamed it and yeah, Marvel 2018 or whatever it was called at one point. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other example, that's not a renaming is something we keep talking about because they do it successfully is Warframe where that yeah. game is still called Warframe, but for all intents and purposes, they're on Warframe four. <laughs> right. Know. Now. So Danish, I'm curious if you uh, have followed Torchlight at all or kind of the, you can answer the specific or the general like this idea of repackaging an old thing as a new thing um, and totally renaming it. Does that excite you or does it feel are you kind of indifferent? 
It's interesting for sure. I, I I haven't followed Torchlight. I haven't played those games, even though they look really cool. Um, the rebranding thing is, it's not totally weird. You know, uh, you mentioned a couple examples, even um, uh, Final Fantasy Online, like Realm Reborn. Wasn't that yeah, like a rebranding right. of a thing? The a big, one. the very interesting thing, uh, No Man's Sky Beyond, that sort of stuff. The crazy thing is the numbered sequel. That is, I I, I don't think that's, I've seen that before. Because um, there's sort of this big... Uh, Stigma is not the right word. There's like a weight to a numbered sequel, a quote unquote numbered sequel, like uh, Half-Life Alex, for example, like it's not called Half-Life. Like the, the fact of you calling something a numbered sequel sets up expectations. So the fact that they would rebrand it and then give it the numbered sequel that has so much weight to it, that's really interesting. And I, I can't think of any examples of that, right? Yeah, I'm struggling to think if there have been, but I'm. Uh, this got me excited and I think maybe it is the psychology of the numbered sequel that has me excited, but also the, the way there's a developer interview that is part of the announcement um, or a statement is, I guess, better term than interview, but the way that they're talking about this is being a, a really a restructuring of how the game works, stripping away all of the free to playness of it, making it a premium title, making it a one-time purchase boxed thing and you have everything out of the box. And so there aren't any of those hooks to try to get you to do more things or buy more things. Uh, I think that's kind of interesting. It, it, it feels like a very different take than most companies are going right now. And uh, it, it seems like they're kind of trying to make a more, I don't know, a, 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 more, a game that's more along the lines of something I want to play. And that has me really excited. I mean, I love the first Torchlights so much. And the fact that they you know, are saying this is based on beta feedback from Frontiers and people are, you know, what, what people want, the kind of the game and, and that the game just kind of grew on its own and became this other thing. And they wanted to really reinforce that and go all in on making it a true numbered sequel. I, I, yeah. I, I love this quote. It's, uh, this is um, from uh, the, the article. Goal, I guess, not from the video. Uh, quote, during development, you often discover what type of a product a game is meant to be, and we found Torchlight Frontiers was meant to be a true successor to Torchlight 1 and 2. Uh, based on extensive feedback from the alpha testers, we decided it was time to take the game back to its roots and model it after classic Torchlight games and that ARPG that fans have come to love. Um, I don't know. I, I think this is awesome. I really do. The cynic in me is like, okay, Frontiers wasn't monetizing the way they hoped it would. They have already spent all these money and resources on the backbone of, of this engine or this game. How can we do a quick pivot and repurpose it into a thing that our fans will like? The optimist in me is more aligned with that quote. And I think they did. They put out some really good statements when they kind of announced this shift. Um, and so I, I hope it is like passion from the developers and kind of trying to make this numbered sequel into something really great. I'm just picturing how we'd feel if like Diablo Immortals came out, you know, let's say it came out when they announced it and everybody was like, boo. And it had the microtransactions that everybody feared. And then at the, last year's BlizzCon, they were like, you know what? We're, we've reworked it. It's now Diablo four. <laughs> but this game was never released. This is still an alpha, right? It was, it was Correct. a game that was in development and they went, we're not going to do it this way. We're going to do it. It's not like it came out and failed. And then they're like, Oh, we're just going to rework it and make it into something else. I think that's kind of how you're well, it peaked out. And maybe, I don't know, again, I, I'm battling my cynic and my optimist. I'm not sure. But it was available to play uh, 
for some folks, but it ne- never saw wide release as far as I know. That's correct. Great. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. That actually, I don't know why, but that does change it a little bit for me because it, it's still a rebranding, but it's not like, I guess it's addressing the more cynical view of, uh, oh, it didn't work. Uh, we're going to try to save it, but more in a pre-release like testing kind of uh, context. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's yeah. accurate. Yeah. I think that's accurate. Um, I think it's int- I'm, I'm now very excited about it. Whereas before, too. you know, I wasn't following Frontiers. Yeah, I mean, all. it's coming out on PC. It's coming out on Steam. It's coming out, uh, they say, summer 2020, which is now like wide open because everything has been you know, <laughs> delayed into fall. Uh, so speaking of, I missed, I missed the, we were spoiled the last two Januaries. This I month know, right? has been slow. <laughs> it has, it has, but there's tons of stuff to play from last year still. Uh, Anyway, uh, you have left me a bunch of juicy stories, folks. I don't even know. It's almost like you plan the show this way where you go last. Uh, So many good things I could bring (laughs) up that I want your opinions on. So maybe we'll do a few of them. Uh, First of all, I want to talk about Atari Hotels uh, because I'm just fascinated by this. Uh, evidently there, there was a with shag carpet in the seventies that your parents play. Yeah. It's all going to be, uh, you know, vinyl siding and, and, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for that, uh, <laughs> fake wood wallpapering. Yeah. yeah what's, there's a word jump for over that. an alligator to get in. Yeah. What's the way it looks like the Atari 2600. It has that, you know, fake wood paneling on it. Uh, all the beds are like turnable knobs. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Little big switches that you flip up and down. Um, this is not a joke. Evidently, there are eight Atari branded hotels coming. This is being done by the same producer that did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film franchise reboot. So got some dollars, I guess. Uh, and um, they're going to be in Austin, Chicago, Denver, Vegas, San Francisco, San Jose, and Seattle to start. Uh, when creating quote, when creating this brand new hotel concept, we knew that Atari would be the perfect way to give guests the nostalgic and retro meets modern look and feel we were going for. Let's face it. How cool will it be to stay inside an Atari? (laughs) So my question to you guys is let's answer that. How cool will it be to stay inside an Atari Danish? Why not? That's my that's my uh, my whole outlook on this is why not it's sure um, if I I mean it, it all comes down to like do they really like how do they design it how does it do they make it I could see like in the best case scenario this being awesome I could see this being you know how um, in uh, Disney World Disneyland like the Star Wars Land had come out and they're they're talking about these Star Wars themed hotels on the park this is exactly what yes. I was thinking is like. That's the that's your comparison, yeah. right? And and when they pitched that, I was like, oh, that sounds awesome! Like people that's are like, where do I throw my money? Right. I, I know it's going to be crazy expensive, but how do I get in there? So week one. So yeah, you take that idea and you apply it to something else. Um, I think it could be cool. Mm-hmm. It just it really comes down to the execution. The the other thing that immediately came to mind is just what is Atari now as a company? Right. Because. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I don't know how it was like maybe five years ago, four years ago, uh, Atari like came out with this speaker hat. Do you guys remember this? Yeah. <laughs> speaker hat. I must have missed this it's one. How did I miss crazy. this one? Bluetooth hat with, with speakers in it. Yeah. And it was around the time where they were talking about rebranding and like 
no, Atari is going to be like a lifestyle thing now. It's going to be like Levi's. It's going to, we're going to be Atari. We're going to be Atari, you know, wearable clothing and all this sort of stuff. A wearable tech. So you're telling me I have to choose between wearing my beer hat and my <laughs> speaker hat? Hat on a hat, Jeff. I need it. I need it. I need a new, a second head is yeah. what I need. Um, so I, it's funny because that was still kind of in my mind. And now I hear like Atari hotels. It's almost like they're just, they're just grabbing anything they can to put their name on. Cause it, you can't deny that Atari is just an iconic name. You know, I would say like 60% of it is the incredible uh, logo, the Fuji logo. Yeah. Such a good it's logo. An amazing logo. It's, it's got nostalgia. It's got a great retro vibe. And it's like, well, we can't just not use that on something. So, you know, yeah. what can we do with it? I think it? that's what it is. It's like th- that Atari has value somehow. Yes. We just don't know how to <laughs> yes. make it happen. So the speaker value. hat, hotels, I don't know, something. <laughs> when I hear Atari now, all I want to hear is speaker hats. Speaker hats all the way down. Uh, this, I'm, I'm told that this hotel, when you, when you check in, everyone gets a speaker hat. That's what Amazing. I'm told. It's just you check in, you get your your room key and a speaker hat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm curious about this because, yeah, in a one sense, it's really cool. Like you can have a really cool branded hotel and it's all slick. Now, is it a hotel where – here's what they're saying. I'm going to back up. Here's what they're saying. Uh, gaming hotels that, would inc- that will include VR and AR experiences with select locations, including gaming venues and spaces for esports events. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I don't understand. Like, if it's just, hey, Atari is a name that's associated with video games. So, hey, when you go to the Atari Hotel, it's video games. It's basically like, if this is the Hard Rock Cafe of video games, right. then I think that's a kind of a rad idea. You you check in. And there's, you know, maybe an esports thing in the bar television, you know, that's all. Instead of having ESPN on, it's got esports on. It's... You know, it's got cool Atari style logos, but it's also, uh, you know, you go into the gift shop and you can buy CSGO shirts and you can buy, if it's, if it's that, that sounds rad to me. If it's the Did hard- you compare it to the Hard Rock Hotel, is that what you said? Yeah, if it's the Hard Rock. The hotel that's closing, <laughs> that's literally closing this week. That, I didn't catch that. But, but you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Well, hard Rock is, is about rock and roll. It's not about any specific rock and roll, Right. It's about the idea of rock and roll yeah. and celebrating that. And if, if that's the way they go, where it's like, hey, it's about how cool video games are, that's one thing. If it's check-in and we've got Berserk and we've got <laughs> Combat and we've got Pitfall, you know, then I'm, I'm a little less excited. I feel like if you go too far down what Atari is, then maybe it's not going to be quite as exciting for yeah. me. I don't know. Uh, you know when you uh, drive around, you see like a bank, and you're like, "Yeah, that bank used to be a Pizza Hut because it's still shaped like a Pizza Hut." <laughs> um, ten years from now, it's going to be like a Marriott. Like, yeah, that used to be an Atari hotel. <laughs> it'll be a bunch of Pizza Huts uh, where there was Atari hotels because it's yeah, shaped like it's shaped like the Fuji thing. So it's going to be like, yeah. you know, you can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have high hopes. So do I. I think it'd be I cool. think it, it, could, it could it could be cool, but man, I. Star Wars hotel, I, I don't see I don't see it being worried about the competition. <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the Atari brand is is only kind of uh, it's that nostalgia wink. It's like people wearing uh, Polaroid shirts, and I have a Polaroid camera, and 
new film and I enjoy it, but you know, it's like, but a, then you just undercut like, your own con- thing. No, I didn't. Cause I would not stay in a Polaroid hotel. Like, it sells a t-shirt. <laughs> but you own the product. I own an old. You're product. saying it was just nostalgia, except that I also own the product and dig the product. And the product's cool. Well, I'm also old. <laughs> Jeff. Yeah. I'm also old. I also see kids wearing reissued Marlboro coupon apparel. Hmm. That's because you hang out at the coolest places. I do. But I, I don't know. I, I, I will put on my Spicer Thomas hat and predict these fail. They'll well, here, like, kind of to Jeff's point, like what what if you remove Atari from it and it's just like an awesome hotel? Like think of it like the Avatar land of hotels where it's like, okay, maybe people don't care about the movie, but it's actually a pretty awesome place to go. It's yeah. just well done and great. Yeah. I think there is potential for a video game or esports themed hotel or venue i think the struggle with video games the way they are in the west is most games aren't made conducive for like hourly sessions like and again maybe you can bring your save over but like a a gaming space maybe like land parties or events um yeah i don't know I, i think that nut could be cracked i don't think this atari hotel is going to be the All right, well, let's uh, move on and talk about our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace is the place if you need a website. And let's face it, at some point, we all need a website for something, Uh, whether it is turning a cool idea into a website or showcasing your work or blogging. put speakers in a hat and I needed a website. Perfect. Perfect. Squarespace will be the place for you to do that as well. If you want to sell something like that, you can just drop that in. You got e-commerce, just easily boop, 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 drop it right in. You can announce an upcoming event or special project, anything anything you need. The tools that Squarespace provides uh, make it simple and easy for you to make a website yourself. You don't have to hire someone else to do it. You don't have to learn HTML. You can just make it yourself, dragging and dropping. It's all what you see is what you get. Very, very simple tools. That's what I love most about it. That's why I recommend it to family and friends. Anybody that ever talks to me about, hey, how do I make a website? I go, just go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and check it out because you can start building your site right there with the free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, use that promo code Jeff sent me at checkout. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And then you'll have made it yourself. Excuse me. (coughs) Pardon me. Plus, you've got built-in search engine optimization, you've got analytics, you've got 24-7 award-winning customer support. It is the easiest place, the best place to build a website. So do it. Build it yourself. Check it out. Go over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and just start making it. Uh, you don't even have to give them a credit card right when you start. You just start using their tools. And then when it's time to check out, use that promo code Jeff sent me. Save yourself 10% off of uh, your first purchase and they'll know that you heard it here which is really cool for us squarespace.com slash jeff sent me and the promo code jeff sent me j-e-f-f-s-e-n-t-m-e all one word we appreciate it there's so many other good stories and i kind of want to talk about this blizzard craziness like warcraft 3 coming out and disappointing everybody yet another like all blizzard needs is a home run and then they gotta crush my dreams by talking publicly about the fact that they made a Hearthstone VR prototype and they're never going to release. But- it was great. You could flip the table. I mean, it looked, I mean, we want to give you the details to let you know how awesome it was. Yeah. Jeff. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> People loved it. Uh, it's not coming out. 
My favorite thing about this story is that the guy who's talking about it, the uh, the developer is talking about it, is like, yeah, um, he didn't want to talk about it because then everybody would want to see it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was awesome. It sounds awesome. <laughs> I, I, uh. It came out. It's in Canada. We've been dating since, you know, you can't meet it, but it's there. It's real. Here's a letter they sent me. If you have someone that ev- something that everyone wants, why don't you release that thing? Or at least, I don't know. I don't know whatever. I'm not going to get into it too much. Okay. We got a big show. There's got so many things to talk about. Uh, Danish is here, so I want to talk about board games and VR. So let's, I can't, I can't spend my time worrying about Blizzard anymore. They're not the company I once loved. Let's just get into it. All right, talk about the games that we have been playing, Danish. You have been playing a lot of stuff. What, what's on your What's on your plate? Uh, so I've played a lot of older games, but the newest one uh, is the Pedestrian that came out this week, I believe. It's a uh, puzzle game. Have you guys seen this? No. Oh, you would love this. This is amazing. It is uh, Zelda Link Between Worlds meets Portal. Oh. So you are a 2D character in a 3D world. And so you are platforming on different planes. So, you know, like in Harry Potter, when the paintings come alive and they can kind of like move into other paintings and kind of travel down the hall. Yeah. It's that, except you're a little guy and you're traveling through like street signs oh and like caution signs. I'm looking at this right now. It looks awesome. Unbelievable. And it's the kind of game that I'm just mad at myself that I didn't think of this because it's, <laughs> It's so brilliant. It's so simple and it's perfectly executed. So uh, it's a puzzle game. It's a platforming game. It's kind of both like, so you'll go through this sort of uh, stage where you'll see a few different signs in front of you. And if you, there's each one has a door on the left or right, or maybe sometimes a ladder going down to it. And so every sign can connect to a different sign. And sometimes it's preset. So like you're just kind of running around, teleporting through them, picking up a key, opening a door, just making some platforming jumps and then you'll exit the screen and the whole 3D world will shift the camera to another corner of this like construction site or something. And then you'll get um, another stage where this this time you get to move those around. So every one of these sort of like stopping points, uh, it's either going to be a platforming section or a puzzle section. And you'll get you'll know that by a little sticky note that you'll see in the world that has a little puzzle icon on it. So like, OK, I'm in a puzzle section. So you click a button it kind of zooms out a little bit and now you can drag those uh, signs around and um, connect the doors to each other. So it's like, okay, if I go in this door, I'll come out that door. Or if I connect it to this other sign, I'll come out of that door. Which one should I go first? Oh, if I go to that one, then I can't make this jump. So I have to go back and get a box and push it over through this door. And it's like very interesting puzzles. It, it's um, it's a side-scrolling puzzle game in the way that um, – Oh my god, I'm totally blanking. There's this awesome game for PC that came out uh, where like you're cloned or something. Anyway, uh, it's a anyway. So you you basically platform and pushing things around, hitting switches, and then eventually um, you start interacting with the 3D world, huh. which is so cool. Like you're on a sign and there's a little like um, electrical kind of oh, yeah. joint to it, and you like flip a switch or you like 
make a connection and then it opens like this garage door and now the camera can fly through it. It's like, Oh man. Oh my God. This, this game is so brilliant. It's like 20 bucks. It's a no brainer. It's a must buy. I'm looking at it on steam right now. Uh, it's on sale for 1799. I just clicked purchase. It, it <laughs> yeah. is way prettier than it has any right to be as well. Yeah. Uh, the 3d world really is uh, very attractive, but it like the game, as you were saying, the game, it really doesn't even need all that per se. You know, it just, it just makes it, the presentation look awesome. I was not aware of this game and it looks fantastic. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, the pedestrian. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about it next week. Now that I'm going to, I'm buying it. Uh, thank you for giving me the heads up on this. This looks great. Can you imagine this game on uh, a streaming service where you start running from device to device? Yeah. Like, oh, you're playing on your PC. Now you jump over and now you're on your switch. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I mean, there's shots where like you're literally coming out of a manhole and there's full 3D world with cars driving by and everything, but you're just this little dude on a sign, a uh, little, yeah. you know, um, it's like a no stick cross figure. Or, yeah, yeah. Stick figure is what I was trying to think of. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, so what else is on your playlist? So almost everything else on my playlist is on uh, Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I know you guys talk about it all the time and it's just, it always deserves to be mentioned again. Um, I, I've i been playing Children of Morta, mm-hmm. which is a game that you've talked about uh, for a while now. I think, I don't know, it was like a year ago, two years ago, where you were talking about an early access yeah. before it even came out. And and I specifically remember the first, the, the thing that you that struck you the most that you were talking about is just the storytelling of it. Yeah. And I could not agree more. It's incredible. The storytelling, I love it. It's it creates you're this family and you're this sort of like, you know, event happens in the world is, you know, dark event or whatever. And you have to go do this thing on this mission. But the way it's framed is so intimate and so warm and like kind of hopeful. And yeah. I don't know how to describe it. You know, what it reminds me of is um, in uh, Fellowship of the Ring, more in the book than the movie, when like Gandalf comes to Bilbo and he sees the ring and or to Frodo. And it's like, he's talking, he's like telling like stories. It's like this thing happened and we have to do this. And it's like, we have to do it because it's right. And because, you know, we have to fight for what's, it's like this really uplifting thing. And the family inter, uh, the dynamics between them, it's like every time you go back, there's an interstitial where it builds a character relationship or just shows someone doing something that actually informs their character. Yeah. I'm so drawn into that. And the, uh, it's like a roguelike. Um, and, you do different runs and you're you know, kind of dungeon crawling. And I don't think the action, it, the action is very good. I'm actually having, I'm having fun with it. It's great. It's not quite as good as dead cells or Hades, the super giant game. It's a little bit like chunkier, but not in a bad way. It's like, it's a stylistic difference. It's not like, Oh, it's sluggish controls or anything like that. It's just, it's a slower paced game. Things take a little longer to swing. You move a little bit slower uh, you only get like one or two dashes. And so you have to really think about it. And so it's a different kind of mindset. And it took me a little while to click into it, but I did eventually click into it. Um, but I'm the thing that's keeping me going is the story and the characters. I rescued some people from the caves. I'm at the, I'm not very far. I'm just at the boss of the first section or whatever. 
But yeah, it's an awesome game. Yeah. And no reason not to play it on Xbox Game Pass. Right. Yeah. It's also available on Switch now uh, for people that prefer oh, yeah. indie games that way. That'd be way. good. Great That'd game. be a great Switch game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing to have an, a roguelike that can make time for small little story moments, like you're saying. It, it really does... It's a, it's a game that is really about action. It's about that incessant, you know, do a run, die, kill as many. You kill thousands and thousands and thousands of things as you're going. And it, yet it's a game that t- takes a moment to, you know, feed a deer in the woods. You know, it's the kind, yeah. kind of thing. It's it's just a lovely juxtaposition of this this beautiful story in this in, in this with this family. And the art is is stunning. The pixel art yeah. is just stunning it reminds me a lot of like hyper hyper light drifter yeah and a little bit of dead cells i also love the house itself like yeah. when you come back to it in the run that's where this whole thing takes place and it reminds me a little bit of like that XCOM thing where like you're building up your base like rooms get occupied and people start there's like you know kind of npcs that kind of fill out and stuff it's, it's so cool danish i've been hovering on uh epic game store hovering over buying hades for i don't know there's three or four times. Oh, I, it's amazing. I, it's, I keep thinking I need to wait until it is actually released. Is it not actually? So here's the thing. Like, what's the difference? It's yeah. It's like polished, finished game. Like, I don't – I actually – you just saying that, I thought it was released because yeah. I don't – yeah. There's no difference. I just got to do it, right? Because it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel – I just been feeling this like – the oh, show where Danish tells Jeff. This is our our relationship. Keep listing games. Keep listing. This is our relationship. Is that I spend a lot of money because I talk to Danish. That's that's how that works. Is that he talks about Danish's GDC conference is just a list of games Jeff should buy. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, not wrong. And then he'll talk about board games, and I'll buy those. It's yeah. Anyway, what else? What else is on your playlist? No, Dennis, um, stop. Jeff has a kid. Yeah, he has no, two kids. Got two kids. <laughs> no, well, that's the thing. All my games, the rest of my games are on Game Pass, so you don't even need yeah. to buy them. I already uh, own them, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> you have two kids, though. You still can't play them. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Actually, it's funny you say that because um, the re- I, I, so, I play games so rarely nowadays, and the reason I have a huge playlist is because uh, uh, my wife actually was out of country for a week, and uh, I was you know single-dadding it with the two kids, and as soon as they went to bed – all I was doing was playing video games. Oh, it was <laughs> the best. Just buy yeah. your wife a ticket out of the country. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you need. Uh, I'm going to sell you on that now. Too. And I know we have lots. I know you have other games to talk about, and I want to, to hear about them. But one yeah, of, I'll go through them quickly. No, um, wait, wait, one, of, one of the things that I, I wanted, and I feel like this is a good transition point, because one, one of the big reasons I wanted you back on the show is that you said something, I think on Twitter or on another podcast yeah. or something, that I've been wanting to pick your brain about for a long time. And this, that is, you said something like, I never play a game for more than, what was it? A couple hours or whatever. Yeah. Like four or six hours. I don't know. Yeah. And I, and I, and I was fascinated by that. You said, even if I love the game, I'm not going to yeah. play it for more than like six hours. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so how do I, how do I approach this? Okay. So I think I just don't have that much time. I think it's a, it's a, it's a practical sort of thing where, you know, busy life, work, family, et cetera. And if I'm given a certain amount of time to play games every month or every week, um, what are my options? I can either beat a game, I can play a 30 hour game and com- complete it, or I can play five, you know, six hour games. Right. And that's, it's an equation that I just cannot justify playing the same game. Now that's part of it. The other part of it is, um, unless it's got, it's, it's really got its hooks into me, um, 
it's, I often get a feeling like I got it. I'm good. This is awesome. I love this and I'll champion it. And, but I don't need to play more. Um, there's a lot of games like that. I think, um, I think you and I are similar in the fact that we're fascinated with the, with figuring out the thing. Like it's, yeah. it's how, what is the mechanic here? How did they, what's the idea? How did they express the idea? Oh, that's an excellent idea. Excellently expressed. I got it. I want to yeah. see more. What's the next cool idea? And how did someone else express that? Exactly. Next? And uh, like Death Stranding was the perfect recent example. I played, I play that game more than I usually do. Actually, I probably hit like eight hours on that game. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it was awesome. I really liked the game and uh, the gameplay specifically. And uh, yeah, I was like, okay, well, this is great. And that's the kind of game where in the back of my mind, it's like, oh yeah, maybe I go back to it. Sometimes I don't get that feeling. Sometimes I'm like, okay, this is just like closing the book on this. Awesome. Loved it. Moving on. And sometimes it's like, oh, I really did like that. I want to go back to it. Um, the first game that's ever happened to me with is uh, L.A. Noir. L.A. Noir is a game where it flipped the switch in my head where uh, I finished a case, especially that game. Cause it's like you, you have cases, right? So it's like very like yeah. structured. I finished uh, one of the cases um, and then I was like, well, that was awesome. And then I just like, you know, moved on and it wasn't like, okay, I'm never playing this game. I just moved on like you do. And people, and I was saying, oh, LA Noir is so awesome. It's like one of the best games of the year. And people would tell me like, oh yeah, but did you get to the end? Those, those last cases really suck. I'm like, well, no, I didn't. I stopped playing it. And you know what? I think that's, that's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting value proposition, right? Because I, I can understand someone hearing this and being like, well, it's, you know, night must be nice to be able to, you know, have disposable income to, or, or a situation where you're able to get a whole bunch of new things and you don't have to worry about staying with one thing for 30 or 60 or hundred hours. And, and yes, I totally understand that. But I, I mean, even, even that I don't think is like that great of an argument because of game pass, because of, I was just about to renting. Say, yeah. yeah. Because we are now in that place where game pass kind of makes that moot. And I think that's really going to be where games go. It's going to be the Netflixification where, you know, do I watch all eight episodes of the TV series? Well, I could if I'm really into that TV series, but also there's a infinite other TV series yeah. I'll be watching. So it really becomes, you know, it becomes, I find that fascinating that it's like, I got what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is I got a positive experience out of those four to six hours so much so that I value that game and I'm impressed with the design and the the development of that game. But I can move on from that and feel completely satisfied with what I experienced. Yes. And also I think that this I don't this is kind of a broad brush and I don't it's it's not quite fair, but there's a certain number of games where it doesn't evolve and it doesn't it's sort of rinse and repeat. It's sort of like right. uh padding. You know, like it's kind of the classic uh, RPG. It's like, okay, now here's the fetch quest section or whatever. And now here's the thing where you go back and you get all the things. It's like, you're just wasting my time. And I think, unfortunately, that's, it happens more than it should. Yeah. Well, I think that where you and I are a little different than Christian, perhaps, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Christian, but I suspect, Christian, you are much more like, I want to see how this story plays out. And I think Danish and I 
are much more like lit. I want to understand the idea that you're trying to express. And once you, we've got that idea, what, how does this game play? How does it work? How does the, how do the systems intersect? How does that, that's enough for us. And I think maybe Christian, you're not like that, but tell me if I'm wrong. I think a good narrative certainly helps pull me, excuse me, helps pull me through a game. But I also think some of my favorite games keep adding and building upon systems as the game progresses in fun and inventive ways. So while I feel like, oh, I've seen everything there is to see in the first four hours, six hours, I actually haven't. The game uses those as building blocks to show me uh, more difficult puzzles or more challenging combat or inventive ways for me to combine all of the things that I've learned. Through, so it's, it's like a good class in school, right? Like the thing you're learning in week one pays off by the end of the year as you're putting all of these skills together to comprehend, evaluate, you know, learn from this thing and create something new. Right. So I feel like the games that hook me the best are, are those games that, yes, have a strong narrative, but also keep building and adding and iterating new mechanics that aren't, it's not like, oh, the first level is a fighter, the second level is a cart game. Like I'm not looking for that but way games that that are able to add new and fun creative ideas into their world as the game progresses. I think Breath of the Wild does that really well organically that as you play and discover. So it's like, oh, I, I see what this game is. It's uh, weapons that break and I can do whatever I want. Cool, cool, cool. But after you spend whatever it is, you know, for you, the personal number of hours where you start to see all of those things and the game starts to look like the Matrix, you know, to you where you're like, oh, I can do. And then people that are still playing it now they really see the matrix and they're still doing incredible things with that game. Um, so I think there's room for games that do both, but yes, oh, strong narrative and then compelling mechanics that change over four hours. Well, there's also something to be said, like you were kind of alluding to of mastery, like the idea of mastering a game, like Jeff, you know, you, you would hear the storm kind of yeah. really getting your teeth into that game. It's like, that's awesome. That's totally valid. That's a great fulfilling thing. I think. And I would never like, you know, decry that in any way. It's just like, that's not my thing. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, I appreciate the tangent uh, because yeah. I think it's fascinating and I, it resonates with me as well as I think I'm, I'm similar, uh, you know, with, with, with noted outliers, but yeah, similar. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you have other Xbox Game Pass experiences to talk about. Yeah. So I'll go through this quickly. Um, it's funny following that conversation. Um, a game that I am so hopelessly addicted to is Wargroove that I'm playing for hours and hours. <laughs> and it's like it's like the same thing over and over again. <laughs> it's a good, great game, though. But yeah, it's so amazing. Now, Wargroove is basically uh, developer Chucklefish is like, okay, we don't want to wait for Nintendo to make Advance Wars, so we're just going to do it. Right. And and they did an amazing job, and it just scratches an itch. I've I was so in love with advanced wars. Me and my friend would play it multiplayer all the time. And I just was, it was a hole in my life that needed to be filled and Wargroove filled it. And so I'm totally addicted. every, every night this week, it's been uh, kind of like an hour or two playing Wargroove. So I love that. Uh, Frostpunk is another one that I'm a little bit late to the party on, but it's new on game pass. So I tried it and I absolutely love it. Great uh, city build, take a new take on city building where it's, um, just really interesting uh, mechanics, really interesting elements that's added, like this idea of the central heat system and uh, this resource gathering and uh, policies and laws that affect gameplay and 
it's very very cool. I love it's the style dark, of it. Dark though, it's it's really here's the th- I totally agree. Pressing. It's so oppressive. Yeah, and um, after <laughs> after a couple hours, I was like dying a lot and kind of retrying. Like, ooh, this is really you know tantalizing. But it's like I can't play this anymore, and so I had to turn all the music off. I had to turn like. <laughs> Like that, that's the number one thing you need to do. You need to turn the music off this game. The music will just suck the soul out of your body. <laughs> and so that makes it a lot better to play. Play something jaunty while you play that rock song. <laughs> yeah. So I just put on a podcast and I, uh, you know, pass laws to um, legalize child labor and it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> a positive podcast, uh, you know, the daily. Just yeah, really yeah, right. thing, <laughs> yeah. I remember there's, I think there's like a, a thing you can do in that. It's been a while since I played Frostpunk, but I think that. There's the thing you could do in that game where you could literally like feed people garbage to make them work longer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, weird. It's dark, man. It's, it's so dark. dark. I know. Yeah. But uh, I just, I got the mechanics got hooked to me. I, I, that's another game. That's a game that I, I want to go back to because I really like it. And there's a small chance I might not because I moved on, but I, so it's really good. And also just a shout out to the UI, great UI in the console yeah. edition. They just, UI, what up, buddy? <laughs> what up? Um, it's uh, really hard to do a game like that, uh, like a city builder, like City Skylines, you know, did an okay job. And there's like, you know, RTSs or whatever games that are like traditionally PC moving to console is so difficult. Uh, I think Frostpunk did one of the best jobs I've ever seen porting uh, a game like that to console controls. Um, awesome use of radial menus and like shortcuts holding the triggers and that sort of stuff. So very playable, very cool. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that's good. Um a uh, quick shout out to uh, Indivisible. Been playing that too. You mentioned it last week. I think it's very cool. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't quite got to the strategy bit. Like to me, it's so far still early. I'm just doing like dodges and attacks and timing things. I haven't really started the combo yet. So I'm looking forward to like getting a little deeper and, and getting to that level. Oh, dude, I've gotten to parts where I get obliterated if i don't really yeah oh that's awesome yeah and then there's have you gotten to the enemies where they're like it forces you to do specific things like they won't take damage at all unless you you know knock them in the air and juggle them or things like that i don't think so so yeah. that yeah so i think i'm still yeah. I, I just got like my party so you know cool i'm still early um and then just quick shout outs to steam world dig on game pass is awesome just dip my toe into that and then steam world heist is was on sale on switch and that's a super cool game it's like a side-scrolling 2d xcom which is yeah. awesome so, so yeah good. that that that'll do it <laughs> awesome very cool uh yeah man game pass is is it's pretty amazing it if i was 15 that's like all i would need it's yeah. all i would need it's pretty wild uh these pretty wild. the flip from like my playtime on ps4 to xbox is like night and day like for yeah. this entire console generation it was like 90 percent ps4 10 percent xbox and it's basically flipped in the last year. Yeah. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It makes complete yeah. sense. Uh, all right, Christian Spicer, uh, let's talk a little bit about Disintegration because you and I both got to participate in a bit of that uh, multiplayer beta. Uh, this is a big upcoming game that, uh, I'll be honest, I wasn't really paying attention to. But this oh, I was. beta has got my attention. I am I am digging this game, man. Yeah, and I, I, we should say, I, I believe, I don't know if it's while still while this is out, but the, I played during the closed beta, but it has become an open beta. Right. So I think more people uh, can get in and play. This V1 Interactive, former uh, Halo folk, right. Destiny folk, great pedigree at the studio, small studio. Um, I will say, so if you don't know anything about the game, you're kind of in a, 
it's not a mech per se, but like a gravity like a bike. half look. Yeah, it's like half mech, half sparrow. Yeah, they call. I think they call Definitely. it gravity bike or gravity something. Grab cycle Grab or something. Cycle. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. And you can you're you're floating around. You know, you can fly up and down full eight degree of motion. Um, and it has weapons and is very much involved in the fight as well. And then you also are commanding a ground four five not a fleet but you know troops, troops. yeah you got some, you got some troops down there they have their own special abilities as well um you're pointing them where to go what to do how to engage and it all sounds very complicated i think it is <laughs> what's up i think it is oh see i was gonna say i think the thing that impressed me the most about this game is how well implemented the controls are i agree and how intuitive it feels like i remember reading uh previews earlier in the month of people who got some hands-on time with it and they're they said like the thing that impressed them the most was how intuitive it felt and i was like okay yeah 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 one i'm jealous you played it two i'll believe it when i try it i've tried it i believe it like i agree the amount of things that i'm doing in this like dashing forward on my grav bike sending a squad over here waiting for their this one character super so i can trigger that one and use that now this one i can do this one and send this one and also i'm involved in a dog fight myself yeah Really, really well. I done. would. I agree. I. I just don't think that makes it not complicated. I think the game is extremely complicated. It's just extraordinary how you're able to grok all of that and and the, you know, you think about a controller and all the things you need to do in this particular game. You've got a full, a full first person shooter suite of necessities that you need to you know shooting and changing but weapons. Yes, necessity. <laughs> yeah, you're shooting, you're changing weapons, you're doing all the things, you're moving around. But also, we need to have two extra buttons to control your Z-axis because now you can fly up and down. So you need to be able to change your altitude at will because of the... W- so now that's two buttons that are used up for up and down. And you also need to control these other mostly CPU-controlled uh, creatures, but or troops, but you want to be able to tell them exactly what they need to do. And in, in the course of a very frenetic, tense situation. So you want them to do exactly what they need to do in any given time, but also be able to do all the other things you're doing. Like you say, dodging and dashing and moving up and down. It is no small feat to make all of that work. And I completely agree with you that Somehow this game feels like I'm in complete control all the time. And I, I I don't, you know, this kind of thing would be the kind of thing where I would go, oh, I'll just ignore 60% of what I need to do and try to focus on the other 40%. And I, I found myself not doing that. I found myself actually doing all the juggling all the balls that this game asks me to juggle because of how slick and intuitive the controls are. Mm-hmm. And certainly other games that are maybe more of the rts vein have done things similar where maybe i think it was some of the warhammer games i could be getting them wrong but it's like you're in control of your battalion but you can also go in and take control of one strong you know character and pop out and like games have worked with that idea of of balancing and managing several different types of of uh, troops before but i think the way that this integration does it with you kind of in this cool um grab cycle grab bike itself is is neat and engaging and then what they've added on top of that um with, with what i would call like small rts style moments or, or control interfaces is really cool as well the thing that i will say after saying all of that though is my favorite part of this 
beta or yeah, I guess beta is the tutorial at the beginning. <laughs> Cause right now what's the beta is a multiplayer beta, uh, two, I believe it's two different types of, of multiplayer modes. And going back to what I said to Danish at the beginning, despite my love for them, I've realized that they rarely hook me. And the same is true here. Like I played the tutorial and I was like, this is incredible. This all works so well. I cannot wait to play this game. I played about 10 matches of multiplayer and I was like, I cannot wait till the single player part of this game comes out. Well, yeah, I mean, you and I are the same that way and that, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to the fact that this game does have a reportedly robust single player campaign. And I think the mechanics uh, are going to really shine in that because, you know, it'll be interesting to see. This game feels very different than an FPS. It just, it just does. Um, but I was also surprised at how much fun I was having in the multiplayer game. I'm probably not going to get into the multiplayer of this or anything because that's just not my preferred kind of play. But I played much more than I thought I was going to, and I was doing pretty well. Like I was having kill streaks and things that I don't do in multiplayer shooters. So I, I was feeling pretty good. And I think it's a lot of it is it, it really feels different than Call of Duty or any other first-person shooter. You know, um, you you're floating above the fray. You've got all these other things to worry about. You're moving slower than you do in most of those games because you're floating in this big vehicle. Uh, I don't know. It, it felt a little like Titanfall to me in a, in a good way. I, I, I really dug it. I'm also better at multiplayer games when less people are playing them. Like you. <laughs> you mean, yeah, you know, when there's fewer people. When it's there. the beta and everybody else is figuring it out, I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. And the game goes wide, and I'm like, I've been awful at this my whole I life. I mean, maybe that's true, but I, I somehow in my head I have the fact that if somebody's in the beta for this, it means they're super into the idea and they really want to own. <laughs> and it's probably like the best of the best. And so in my head, I was hanging with the best of the best, but you're, you're probably more no, I like your I like your view. Yeah. This looks awesome. I this is uh, not something that was really on my radar, but I'm looking at it now and hearing you guys talk about it. I think it looks really cool. It's the, uh, a really novel sort of take on this yeah. thing. It's almost like uh, a land party where you're playing a MOBA and you're just kind of like punching each other in the arm and like you're trying to <laughs> screw the other person up. I mean, because there's like a ground MOBA troop thing, and that's what you're controlling. Is that right? You're, yeah. yeah, you're you are participating in a first person shooter style multiplayer match, but you're in a, in a vehicle that can move, you can fly. So you're flying through the right, level. But the, the, the objective moving. is more about your troops or is it about just like kill the other guys. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. But, and, and you're doing control points and stuff like that, like you would in, in multiplayer games, but it's about your little troops getting to the yeah. control point, not you. Right. So you sort of have to protect them because they're fighting and you can shoot the other people's troops, but you can also have your troops shoot their troops. And that's awesome. It's it really is very different than it's a it's, a, as you said, a very novel take on a well-worn yeah, very cool. genre. So that's disintegration. And I think it, what is it? Do we have a release date yet, Christian? Do you know? I believe it's this year, but I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. A game I'm much more excited about than I was when I when I first heard about it. That's cool. Yeah. What else is on your playlist? Well, I'll talk a little bit as I continue through the character releases of Mortal Kombat 11. Um, despite uh, a, a nice little winky nod and Terminator's fatality, uh, Joker's my favorite. Joker's the best. He's such a good character. I believe it was IGN that I don't I hadn't seen this before, but they did like a character review um, for Joker, and I think they gave Joker a nine, which I would probably also give Joker. Um, as someone who is a fan of the character and a fan of comics and 
have liked um, Injustice and the, whatever the DC game. Um, it had its moments. Was it my favorite of the NetherRealm games? But it had its moments. I think this version of Joker is such a nice kind of evolution or blend of, of those other Jokers. And it's fun for me as a grown-up to see Joker in an M-rated game where Joker can go all out. Um, the cane is a really fun mechanic that I think gives Joker a lot of range. I don't play Mortal Kombat competitively, um, so I have a feeling Joker's a little OP right now and might be nerfed, but for me doing towers with him, I love that. <laughs> I, I love the range. Um, there's an intro cinematic. I think it was, you can find it in one of the, the reveals, too, where he like takes out his knife, cuts his finger, and draws his smile with his own blood that I thought was very disturbing and cool for the character. His spoiler, I think this has been shared widely though, but his first fatality starts off as a friendship, uh, which is very nice and a wink to the franchise. And the friendship sign comes down and you hand your uh, enemy a cake and then you whip out a gun (laughs) and blast it to crap. And the friendship sign falls away and you see that fatality. It's been under there the whole time, but it's painted underneath the sign falls and, you know, trademark guts and gore. But if you are, especially if you have the, whatever it's called, combat pass, character pass, whatever, um, and you've maybe hadn't kept up and and downloaded the newest characters, I highly recommend going in and playing with Joker. Um, I love the release of these characters. It gives me a nice reason to go back to the game, play through the towers, and then get frustrated by um, the end boss every stinking time I play them. I hate that (laughs) character when I'm playing them. Uh, but Joker, he's available now in MK11 and really, really fun. The other thing I need to fess up to, that's my new thing. That's my new thing. The other thing that people have been having and enjoying for years, and I finally did it, Danish and Jeff back paddles, you guys. Huh. Yeah, you were telling me about this this week uh, sort of offline, and I think you sold me on this idea. I wasn't into it, but... Oh, good. So PlayStation just released DualShock 4 back paddles. And hopefully, because I love them so much, hopefully they convert to whatever the PS5 controller is. Or hopefully the PS5 controller has them baked in. So I have had an Xbox One, a Series 1 Xbox, oof, Xbox names. Series 1 Xbox Elite controller since the day it came out. It has paddles on the back of it that you can use. Scuff has made PlayStation and other controllers that have paddles for years as well. And when I got my Series 1 Elite, I didn't put the paddles on because I was afraid of like getting used to them and not being able to have them for um, PlayStation games or Nintendo games. And at that time, I was playing a lot of stuff on my PlayStation. Uh, after I pre-ordered my paddles on the DualShock, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put the paddles on my Xbox, my Series 1 Elite controller finally. And I'm playing Witcher 3 now on PC with paddles on. And the Xbox, and Scuffs and others, but I'm going to talk primarily about the Xbox, it has four paddles that you can put on. And so I've straight up, they just mapped to the face buttons. So in Witcher now, and this is the, again, everybody's yelling, we've been telling you this for years. The beauty of it is my thumbs never come off the analog sticks. Like, literally never need to come off. I can touch every single button all of the time, unless I need to hit save, right, or go into open my map. I have, my hand has full coverage, and even for a game like Witcher 3, whose combat isn't the strongest part of the game, in my opinion, but just the ability to roll light and heavy with my fingers um, and not taking my thumbs off of the analog sticks 
when I'm in a difficult combat encounter and everything's going well, I feel like I'm playing um, rock band. Like it hits that sweet spot of like, I'm using all of my fingers. There are definitely times when I panic and I'm like, ah, A, and I, you know, I still use my thumb because I forget how they're mapped. But man, they are a treat. And then the PlayStation ones, I will say they are only two, only two buttons. So you don't have the full four, you know, suite of four. It feels I, like a, um, it defeats the purpose to me with only two. But So, I mean, I, I think it is a late console solution to the problem. But and I should say for the Xbox and additionally for the PlayStation, you can program the paddles to be any button you want. So a lot of people I've seen use them for R3, L3, which are clicking the analogs because that is the worst click in the history of, of human existence. Um, and so you can change them on Xbox and also on PlayStation. You can remap the two paddles to be any button you want. By default, it has three save settings, um, or three presets, I should say. One is a square triangle... And the other one is X circle. And then the other one is L3, R3. But you can customize it to be any two buttons you want. Um, and while I agree, Jeff, that four buttons is better, the better situation, the PlayStation paddles, and having only held scuffs at uh, conventions, the PlayStation paddles are the most comfortable paddles I've played with. They fit on that controller so dang well. And so I started like, I want to come up, I want to play a game. I'm going to get back into it. So I started Uncharted 4. I put a whole lot of hours into that. I was like, I'm just going to play a little bit. Again, that's a very good game. Everybody knows this, but it is a very good game. And then after talking to you, I was like, but I'm an idiot. What I need to replay is The Last of Us because the new one's coming out. So I started playing The Last of Us Remastered. I cried during the beginning again. Woof, packs a punch. Also, a very good game, you guys. Uh, and I'm using square and triangle as my remap. So in Uncharted, I never need to take my hand off uh, my analogs to reload, which is great, or melee. So it just adds that little bit of fluidity to the combat. And then Last of Us, it's I'm doing square and triangle as well. This triangle is your in-game interact, like pick-up button. And it has made running around levels, picking up bottles and bricks um, that much easier. And again, hardcore... Uh, competitive players that are playing on console, not using mouse and keyboard, have known this for a while. But if you are like me and resisted uh, trying paddles for whatever reason, oh, it's too complicated. Oh, I will never use it. This is fine. It is a luxury and one you do not need. But I see it now as the true evolution of where controllers are going to go. I don't know if next gen controllers will have them bundled, like included on the thing. But for non-2D platformers, I think any game, really, using all of your fingers, and it does take a little bit, you know, of, like, that mental remapping of my brain that to remember that I'm using my middle finger regularly or whatever. Um, but Jeff and Danish, I've seen the light. <laughs> they are fantastic. It does. Have either of you paddled? No, no. I never paddled. It would be, be interesting to see if uh, – it does kind of feel like the next evolution of the game controller it'll be interesting to see if anybody goes all in on that like you're saying what are the one of the next gen i don't think it's going to happen i just i feel like we're entrenched in this idea of your thumb doing everything but boy it sure makes more sense doesn't it i, I i'm i'm very interested to give this a try myself i haven't what's and the playstation one is like a 20 20 to 30 dollar adapter scuff controllers which i'm <laughs> looking at now because i want to feel happiness in my heart um the, those scuff controllers and the 
Series 2 Elite controllers are much more expensive, but if you want to just try paddles, um, I'd recommend picking up the PlayStation ones if you can find them. It's a cheap entryway that I think does it really well. That's cool. You know what's interesting about that is if they did include them on the next-gen controllers, I wonder if they would keep them as like, no, these are only for reprogrammable buttons or it would just be adding more buttons. So like it wouldn't, if they added more buttons that really wouldn't solve the problem because then you would use face buttons and the paddles. Right. It's kind of a dilemma, isn't it? Well, I think the, the real gutsy move is to just not have face buttons, right? To just (laughs) say, this is how we're, I think this integration proves that we want more buttons, that devs can use more buttons if they want, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. But it's also like the more buttons you add, then it's like harder to, you know, teach and harder for, kind of non-gamers to get into and it's a whole other thing that was the that was the wemo right like getting rid of all the buttons yeah and then we had foot pedals (laughs) you know it's it's a it's a slippery slope yeah maybe we'll stay as a niche but it it is one that i have that i have bought into now and i will look to keep you've definitely piqued my interest i i for 20 bucks i can i can see it out maybe you know if i'll wait for a sale or something i could yeah i think i've been to it Hey, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is Health IQ. We talk a lot on this show about being a geek and sneak, about uh, taking care of your yourself and your health and being conscious of that. And I have always been a big advocate for the idea that this hobby is not mutually exclusive to being healthy. So if you are a person that thinks about your health, that averages eight hours of sleep per night or eats a quality plant-based diet or exercises four more times per week, if you're doing the right things to ensure you live a long life, then Health IQ thinks you should be financially rewarded for your commitment to a healthy lifestyle. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates for people like you for their life insurance. Got to have life insurance, uh, really. And if you're a runner or a cyclist, if you're doing CrossFit, if you even just are a weekend warrior and you're only doing that a a couple of days a week. If you're a vegetarian, uh, these are things that actually can give you a better rate on your life insurance through Health IQ. And Health IQ is not just a lead generator. They take the customer through the entire process of applying and the policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners. But the savings are exclusive to Health IQ and you won't find them anywhere else. And you must qualify to get the special rate. How do you qualify? Well, head over to healthiq.com slash DLC. Take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. And depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com slash DLC. That lets you know that you heard about it here on DLC. You can start the process with the Health IQ quiz. There is no commitment and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthily. One more time, that's healthiq, H-E-A-L-T-H-I-Q dot com slash D-L-C. All right, uh, one more game for me to add onto the pile, and that is uh, a game that is not a new game, but it is new to me, one I did not know about at all. I found out about this, actually, from a parting gift that has not appeared on the show yet. Uh, Mike Lees sent this, said, uh, hey, you both mentioned enjoying the survival mode in Minecraft on the, uh, on the recent episode. You should try out Kingdom New Lands and Kingdom Two Crowns. 
They are 2D survival building games and are both glorious, available on Switch, PS4, and PC. I went, huh, I'm going to check that out. This is an interesting parting gift suggestion. I've not heard of these games. I looked up Kingdom Two Crowns, which is the sequel to Kingdom New Lands. And this looked like something I very much would like. So I bought it. I had a hard time deciding, as I mentioned earlier, between the uh, the Switch version and the PC version. Ended up going with Steam for that ultra-wide support. This is a uh, pixel art game, a really lovely pixel art. Not quite as amazing as the Children of Morta pixel art, but but very, very lovely. And it's a really clever idea. This is a base-building game where you are building up a kingdom over time and having to defend it uh, against invaders. So a very familiar kind of idea, but done in a very, I think, interesting way. It's completely 2D, and you are this ruler sitting on the back of your noble steed, and you can run left and right across the 2D plane and uncover various things that you're able to uh, change and build. You can knock down trees, you can uh, create defenses, uh, you know, sticks and, and um, gates and, and fences and things uh, to prevent the bad guys from getting in when it's time for the bad guys to get in, usually at night. And you can start building up your kingdom into grander and grander things. There's a, a tech tree that lets you, you know, build up. You start with just some peasants with hammers and then you can give them bows and arrows and then you can give them sickles and scythes and move up and up and up until you're building wondrous things and it's all done in in one 2d plane so you're moving farther and farther left your kingdom sprawling and building up as well uh and you have really only a couple of resources that you worry about everything is converted into coins and eventually later diamonds and uh you're spending those coins you have a, a purse of coins and uh, bad guys will come and try to steal those coins from you. But you're basically spending those coins on everything. You're, a certain number of coins build a bigger building. A certain number of coins uh, create bows and arrows. A certain number of coins knock down trees. It's all very simple. And I think that's what is so striking to me about this game. Is they take what is usually a very complicated set of mechanics. A very complicated um, genre of base building and real-time strategy and really just press it down, press it down into two dimensions, press it down into a simple, simple, simple format where you're not worried. I'm not worried about food. I'm not worried about, uh, you know, all the different resources that you usually have to deal with, with games like this. This game says, no, we can do it with one basically. And we can do it with one plane with one resource with, with basically two buttons are all you ever really use in this game. And yet it doesn't sacrifice any complexity or depth. And it really creates a, I found a very lovely experience. I, I was transfixed by this game. I mean, I love that diorama, build something, create something in front of me, watch it grow over time, make it more complex. Ooh, what does the new technology level let me do now? All of that stuff I really, really love with games, and this game scratches that, but does it in a way where I'm able to be a little more zen and more leaned back in my chair and using a controller and just kind of running my horse back and forth. You actually end up getting other mounts than a horse later on too, but moving my, you know, basically running back and forth and doing things, 
It is also an interesting game in that it doesn't explain anything to you. There's almost zero HUD, which is unheard of in games like this. These games are all about UI and HUD. Um, this game has almost zero. In fact, there are large sections where everything is eliminated from the screen. When you get coins, it shows how many coins you have in a little sack in the upper right. But most of the time, that just disappears when you don't need it. So you're just presented with this really beautiful pixel art and your kingdom sprawled out before you. And you can run back and forth and and you just discover, at least the way I was playing it was, I was just discovering it as I went. What Ooh, that looked like an interesting upgrade. I have enough coins to do that. Let's see what it does. Unfortunately, the first couple of runs that I did, I ran into situations where I wasn't generating any coins anymore, and I didn't know why. So the game didn't really express to me what I needed to maintain my economy and maintain my little engine of commerce. And at a certain point, my coins dried up, and I was like, now what? And I it found myself going to the internet and to wikis and facts to find out how to actually progress, which is a bit of a bummer because I felt like the game was so elegant in its simplicity and so elegant in its discovery of the mechanics rather than telling me them. Uh, I wish that I hadn't run into big stumbling blocks, big impediments to that. I wish it had been a little more elegant as it progressed, but overall I I'm right. And I really am grateful to Mike Lees for that, recommendation of kingdom two crowns which is a game i am really enjoying a lot that sounds awesome there's another game that i was actually (laughs) hovering my mouse over almost buying called islanders which sounds very similar to this where it's a it's like a minimalist city builder kind of low stress thing but i love the style of this uh it's always interesting like i talked about um steam world heist where you take something that's traditionally on a 3d plane you put it on a 2d plane it just it kind of puts a new spin on it. It makes it really interesting because you solve problems in different ways and game design wise. Yeah. And it's, it's just very cool. So I'm, I'm super into this now. I guess I just have to buy both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they're only, no, they're only it's the other way around. You tell Jeff what to buy. It's a symbiotic relationship, yeah. man. It, it goes both ways. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm digging it. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on now. I want to, I want to talk board games because uh, Danish is a board game designer. We don't often have those, so let's jump into some tabletop time. Right now, right now. All right, I know that you are always playing uh, the new hotness, and you're always dipping in and seeing what other game board game designers are doing in that space. So, Danish, I'm so thrilled as somebody who has been unable to play uh the latest board games in a while uh, which is killing me a little bit (laughs) take me through give me tell me what i should be playing tell me what you're playing that's great well you know what's interesting about that is like you 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 talked about this um i think a couple episodes ago about uh not getting a chance to sit down and get into a meaty game i've sort of found myself in that situation as well i haven't played a real meaty game in a while but i have played a lot of sort of party games lighter games and um a few games for like kids games, which I think that people don't talk about enough. There's um, so I thought I'd throw a few out there. So uh, one game that's probably the more core mid-level game is called space park. And it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's by key master games, like blanking on the name right now. Uh, yeah. Key master games and absolutely gorgeous art. You're basically space tourists. And so you're flying into different, uh, you know, 
planets and galaxies or whatever and trying to explore the galaxy. And it's uh, basically a worker placement game. There's like these locations where you can visit, but you can only visit where there's a rocket ship going there. So on the board, there's three rocket ships that's telling telling you where you uh, have the ability to go. And you can go there and you can get the resources from that place or get the whatever, um, you know, uh, yeah, just the resources and build up your things and cash in your missions and stuff. Um, but the cool thing about it is that uh, you on your turn, you can either move the rocket ship to start going to another location or you can uh, go to one of the places where there already are rocket ships. So it's a push and pull of like, well, I know that he wants to go here, so I'm just going to move this rocket ship and somewhere else. And um or, oh, I need to do that, so let me go here. Or if I don't do this now, I know he's going to move it, so I better go there now. So it's a it's a cool interplay between the players uh, in this worker placement kind of context. And uh, there's the, the game, like, I can't stress how awesome this game looks. I mean, it's very simple. It's just a few tiles. It's so good that they actually sell posters of the actual components. Like, that's how awesome <laughs> it is. I'm looking Which at I it right would now. totally buy. You know? It looks awesome. Yeah. So the super fun, it's not very uh, heavy. It's a good mid-level, like 30 minutes, um, one to four players. So that's that's good. Yeah, fully 3D uh, spaceships, which yeah. I'm digging. Nice Great components, components. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's cool. Um, space so, Park. Yeah, Space Park. Um, actually, they, that same um, uh, publisher has released another game just called Parks, uh, which is just a coincidence. And it's all about uh, exploring real life national parks around the US. <laughs> and that looks super cool. And I, it was actually sold out at, G, at uh, um, Gen Con where I got this game. So I didn't get a chance to get it, but uh, that looks awesome too. Um, the other game I, I picked up was, uh, and this is something you can get at Target anywhere. It's Blockbuster, the party game. Now, it's really like kitschy. It comes in a Blockbuster, like VHS packaging. It's very fun. And my first reaction to this uh, when I saw it at um, Gen Con was like, okay, I get it. It's like nostalgic, nostalgic, all this sort of stuff. But they probably just package this thing and the game is probably just fine. Turns out the game is awesome. And so I bought it and I've been, it's probably my most played game now in in the last sort of like six months since uh, I picked it up. It's a combination of password charades and like a quote, quote, quote it, you know? So you have uh, each team has three cards in front of them um, and they have three different movies on them, but you have to place them in slots on the board that are corresponding to those types of clues. So there's a charade slot, there's a password slot or a clue slot, a single word clue and a movie line. And so it's a really cool a game where like you're trying to decide like, okay, King Kong, should I like put that under the charades category? So I can kind of like beat my chest or should I put that under, you know, like whatever, a uh, one word or quote. And so you're making that decision for these three things. Mm-hmm. And then the, then the timer starts and you have to go through all your cards at the same time, your opponent's team is doing the same thing. Uh, and there's like a kind of like who goes first sort of, uh, you know, head playoff thing at the beginning. Um, and then if I finish my cards, then I get to look at theirs. And now I'm just like have to do their clues. And I don't know what they put down under quote it or charades. So it's a really great strategy sort of metagame to this thing. But on the base level, it's like charades and password and quoting movies. So right. it's a simple idea, great metagame, 
and you're the goal is to collect like one card of every genre. So then it's like a good kind of mix of like, well, I don't know how to do this, but I need that, you know, a musical genre card. So let me put the musical card down. And so ton of fun. I would highly recommend it. You can find it anywhere at Target. It's like I've routinely seen, seen it on sale for like under $20. No brainer. So Blockbuster. Awesome. Who, knew, who knew Blockbuster would actually still have something to give us? In I know. It's crazy. I could have. <laughs> I just was so sure it was like this weird cash in thing and turned right. out to be so good. Um, awesome. There's a game called Pegasus, which is a wonderful kids game. My four-year-old and my 10-year-old daughters love it. It's so simple. It's a funny looking game with like two animals that are just kind of mixed together. So like you have a uh, shark with a giraffe head or a giraffe with a shark head and uh, all these funny kind of creatures. There's always two animals combined. The object of the game is uh, you have to, you, you deal out cards on the table, just kind of in a big, you know, array. And the first person who can find two corresponding pairs of animals picks them up and collects them. And that's, that's theirs. And so that's, that's really it. So like you, Take a look at the board. You flip over a card. Like, okay, that's a new card. Does that correspond to anything? It's like almost like memory where you're trying to match two things, but it's like you found the, uh, you know, crocodile lobster. Now you got to find the lobster crocodile, you know? So <laughs> it's it's very cute, very fun. There's like no words. There's no reading. It's all visual. So great kids game. So um, Pegasus. Pegasus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the final one I'll talk about is uh, another kind of filler, fun party game. It's a trivia game called Linky. And uh, I will, so you have, I think we should actually play around to this uh, on the air. I think it'd be pretty fun. Okay. So it's a trivia game where I ask you three questions. I'm sorry, four questions. And each of them has an answer that's pretty simple, but you have to then keep all those answers in your mind and come up with the final answer that has to do with all four of them. Oh, I love this. Right. So that you're not actually answering the, 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 the answers to the questions you're are clues are just yeah are just to get you to the link between all four of them. yes okay and so right, are you down for this are we gonna play sure. you understand, <laughs> understand the rules you understand the idea here is that he's gonna ask you a question like uh you know um uh ice cream it comes in a and you the answer would be cone but cone is only there to get you to you know traffic things or right. whatever I think it'll be, I think as you're, as I'm reading these questions and you get the clues, this one's a kind of an easy one. So you'll probably start to get where the link is. Okay. So question, I'm, after I read the question, I'm just going to kind of pause and then go on to the next one. So you don't answer these questions, just keep them in your mind. All right. Question one, complete the phrase stuck between a blank and a hard place. Question two, most automobiles run on one of two fuels, gasoline or blank. Number three, N2O is the symbol for which chemical compound? And number four, the movement of the Earth's continents relative to each other is known as continental blank. So blank in a hard place, gasoline yeah. or blank, N2O is what? And continental blank. Wow. I'm, I, so I, I have those answers, but I don't okay, know. Okay, so what I are the answers? Let's go through the answers. What do you have for blank in a hard place? Rock. Gasoline or blank? Diesel? Yes. I mean, that should give it to you right there. Number three, N2O. Diesel? Uh, nitrous? Nit yes. Nit and then okay. number four is continental blank. Drift. Oh, uh, Fast and the Furious. That's right. That's the answer. Yeah. Fast and the so Furious. Why does, 
Oh, Diesel and The Rock. Got it. <laughs> well, not Fast Nine, not in Fast Nine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. These this this type of game, I feel like, are the types of game. It reminds me of the types that you I hear on uh, NPR. Right. I always. <laughs> All right. We gotta do one more. We gotta do one more. I did not. Okay, I, right. <laughs> we gotta do one more. Okay. Let me find a that's, good that's one here. Better. I think Diesel threw me off. Vin Diesel. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 All yeah. right. That's what I was thrown off by. Uh, okay, this is not not too hard. Um, which vitamin is created in our bodies when exposed to sunlight? Okay. There are two ways to give birth, au naturel or a what section. Number three, what is the recovery group for people who drink too much, abbreviated as? And number four, what North American Motor Club gives out free maps and lets you renew your license instead of going to the DMV? I mean, they're all... Yes. Alphabets? Right. So what are the, what's number one? Body yeah, Google. Vitamin D. Yep. Uh, second one. What was the question? Birth, the second one? Oh, natural or a what section? D section. Yeah. D section. Yes. DC. Recovery group. AA. Yep. And then uh, motor club, North American motor club. Triple A. Yes. So those are the answers. So what are they? DC. Letters. <laughs> yeah. Consonants. No A. It's a vowel. All right, you give up? DCAA and trip. I mean, I gave up before we started. So. <laughs> Christian loves these type of games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to get the answer, but you can tell me. Uh, batteries. Oh, batteries. That's so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, so, see, I take this game. So so here's, here's my question with these games, and this is how my brain works. So I'm not trying to be cynical, but they're also letters. Why isn't the answer letters? <laughs> <laughs> because that's... <laughs> you're like saying do you remember that episode of cheers when uh when uh uh cliff was like the end he was on jeopardy did you ever see that one where he went no, on jeopardy no. and he was he was winning like crazy winning like crazy uh he was destroying everybody and uh <laughs> and at the end he was gonna ma- go home with all this crazy money and norm is in the, sitting in the audience and they're watching him and the final jeopardy answer or question is uh three different people fa- famous people and uh, I can't remember what the real answer was, but his answer was, uh, "What are who are three people that have never been in my kitchen? And Alex Trebek is like, uh, that's <laughs> not right. And he's like, no, but they all three haven't been in my kitchen. <laughs> and, uh, and Norm is sitting in the audience and, they, and, and uh, uh, Sam turns to him and says, well, as long as he didn't wager all of his money. And Norm goes, oh, he wagered all of his money. <laughs> and of course. Cliff lost it all because yeah. he wagered all, and then the whole rest of the episode is him going, "They, I was right. None of them have been in my kitchen." That's saying. how I play games. Yeah. yeah, and then it's like, "Oh, you're just being. I'm not being difficult. That is a perfectly valid <laughs> answer. Well, it's not the answer, right? And the fact that there's not an answer implies that the clues are crap." Christian is, my a, Christian is a delight at parties. <laughs> I will say I'm actually very good at parties. It's not till the drive home with my wife where she's like, why did we go? <laughs> <laughs> um, th- 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 there is, to be fair though, there are a few clues, not very many that kind of are like a bit of a stretch. We're like, okay, kind of, I guess. And, but I think for the most part it works. And those are two good examples of it, you know? So that was the, great. The batteries one too. Like it, it, when there's one finger pointed, you have others that, like they're all letters, but triple A, double A. Yeah. Um, so good. those are all very specific batteries. It's not just re- repetitive letters. And I tell you, you know what I, I would I need to do? I get it. When I play this game, 
I need I would need to write down all the answers. Oh yeah, I definitely. Like, and this is a, a this is a team based game as well. And okay. so, like, you're kind of like on your team, and you write the, the answers down, and you're only allowed one guess. Uh, and, and if you get it wrong, then the other team goes. So there's a little more structure to it. And uh, I like that it's not super obvious. I thought I thought those were pretty challenging and great. I thought anyway, that's a great it's game. Like and a, it's called yeah. Linky, right? Linky, L I N K E E. Amazing. So they were all easy. Danish said as much before he started them. Immediately making feel <laughs> yeah, that's, feel that's the way you do read it. The first question. It's like when you say, "Guys, I got this really funny joke," and then yeah, you yeah, see, yeah. Not, that's how I start all my sets. Though, so that's why I'm pretty good at comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So awesome. that's, that's what we got. Very cool. Uh, that was great. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Danish Syed. It is always such a delight to talk to you, and you always bring such interesting stuff uh, for my wallet. To, uh, <laughs> yes. I appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Tell folks where they can uh, keep up with you and the things you do online. Right. So I think the best place is on Twitter at, at underscore Danish Syed. Um, someone should make this podcast. Uh, you can find it on anywhere you get podcasts. Um, give it a shot. I, I think you'll really like it, especially, you know, if you love talking about video games, this is the kind of thing where, like, you know, long car rides, you and your friend will just kind of talk like, why don't they make this game? Like, that's basically made a show about that. Um, and it's pretty fun. So uh, check that out. And then uh, coming up in March, I'll actually be at GDC giving a talk about uh, the art direction of the UI in Mortal Kombat 11. So I'm super excited about that, a little bit nervous. So that'll be pretty fun. I'm very excited for you. I think it's gonna be awesome. Very, very Are good. you guys gonna make it out there? Uh, this year, I might not. This might be the first time in, in a long time I don't go. I'm still trying to make it happen, but we, we shall see. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah. But uh, I would lo- if I am, I will definitely make it to your talk because it's exciting. Is it, do you know, and if you can't announce or whatever, is your talk, they stream everything, right? Or they record everything and release it later so you can do the digital? That's what I did. I don't know how that works. Uh, I, know, I know they release some, and then if you have a membership, you can access everything. So I don't know which yeah. ones are um, free and which ones are not. So I, I don't know how that works. Cool. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Yeah. I have a hip flexor problem that's been bothering me for a long time. So I have an MRI scheduled for... Was that not what you meant? Up with that, we got to figure out: is there a, a, a podcast about it somehow? Like uh, <laughs> my hip flexor and me with Christian Spicer. It's called "Is it a hip flexor, lower groin, or upper groin, lower abdomen? How many physical therapists has Christian seen? Let's go get an MRI." Is the name of the book, which um, I'm actually pretty excited. It's going to be a fe- feature film too, but it just got pushed to 2021, and we're looking at our seventh director. Sweet. But Mark Wahlberg is still committed, so it's going <laughs> to be. <laughs> Uh, this week is not fun for me. So nothing fun. Nothing fun. Uh, Twitter's the easiest way to see something fun happens, though, that I don't currently know about. Like a show in LA happens something like that. That is at Spicer. I stream this show live typically Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific on my Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And then with it being a new year, um, we're, we're going to do some St. Jude fundraising again so get ready for that put that in the back of your head get excited for that i have a saint jude play live onesie (laughs) whether or not that makes it on stream or not i don't know but i I love their mission i love what they do and we had such a great year last year that i look forward to um trying to do even better this year so that baby stages for that um have planning happening now jeff what about you baby stages in the onesie thing felt like it was a joke but uh I didn't announce that it would be funny, so it wasn't. Okay, fair enough. 
Um, I am currently either elated that my 49ers won or devastated that the Chiefs won. So uh, tune in to my Twitter to find out how that's going for me. At Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T is how you how you do that. Um, I also do a movie and TV show review podcast. Uh, it's called the Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com uh, or by searching for Slash Filmcast anywhere you get podcasts. And I do the Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons and Dragons show, which I think people hear and they go, I don't know about Dungeons and Dragons. It's storytelling. And it is a story I am extremely proud of. I think you'll dig it if you give it a chance. Check it out as an audio podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run anywhere you get audio podcasts. Or watch it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run on YouTube. Or watch it live as we record it every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Danish, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? All right. Well, the theme of this episode seems to be ways to get rid of your money. So um, my parting <laughs> gift is uh, some art. This a So 2046printshop.com is a place that has amazing posters and wall art that are based around scientific principles. It's a very cool idea. It's like great minimalist design about space and uh, you know, physics. It's extremely cool. And I do some pop culture stuff as well. In fact, uh, from them, I own a cool schematic looking drawing of the Tyrell Corporation building from Blade Runner. Um, but yeah, really cool design. Does it look like the Atari? Does it have the Atari logo on it still? Like that one? Atari no, that's, you're thinking of something else. That that does not have the Atari logo. Although they do have um, a poster of Fermilab from Illinois, which is like a science building and it kind of has an Atari look to it, but uh, yeah, it's very cool. Um, so 2046 print shop uh, and you know, they're not very expensive. So it's not like uh, it's not like baby Yoda or anything, which I have to tell you guys, I made a terrible mistake and, and actually bought. <laughs> you got, you bought the life size. I did buy. Whoa. Congratulations to you and your family. I haven't told anyone yet and oh. I probably won't. Ah, <laughs> What are you going to do with it if you're not going to, if no one's going to find out? I don't know. I'm just going to have it shipped to work and just <laughs> keep it on my desk at work. At no work. one must know that I spent ungodly amounts of money on this thing. Uh, that's amazing. That's when it shows up at your house and you do this. You can all take this. I'm not saying I've ever done this before, but you can always use this. Wow, babe, look what Lucasfilm sent. Me. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's right. I mean, you're not lying. <laughs> that's true. But it implies a very different. Yeah. Uh, expenditure. Oh my! Wow, look what Microsoft sent me, babe. An- another Xbox Elite controller. <laughs> yeah, that's how I. That's how I talk about VR headsets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. Christian Spicer, do you have a parting gift? Yeah, mine's another. People have already been talking about it. You might be sick of it. Uh, if you haven't watched it and you're just sick of the pop culture zeitgeist of it, uh, watch it. It's it's well done and it's fun. It's Cheer on Netflix. Um, they were on Ellen. They've been everywhere. I just told a very long story about an episode of Cheer uh, with uh, <laughs> Norm and Cliff Clavin, and they went on Jeopardy. Oh yeah, I'm I'm right on the got my finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist. 
That has an S at the end of it, Jeffrey. That has an mm. S at the end. It's not like an alien. Um, cheer alien on Netflix. Kind of <laughs> no? <laughs> it is a documentary about a junior college cheer team in Corsicana, Texas. It's really well done. I think I think uh, our listeners will enjoy it if they haven't already watched it. Very cool. Uh, we have this from a listener. Uh, you can send in your parting gifts for the show uh, to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This is what we got from Jordy Ross Conley. Jordy says, uh, thought you guys might enjoy the animated kids show Bluey about a family of anthropomorphic dogs, which is made in my hometown of Brisbane, Australia. And I believe it just hit Disney Plus in the U.S. Caveat, I don't have kids myself, but it's a staple for all my friends' children, and it's quite the phenomenon. A hundred million views here. The animation is great. There are no real antagonists in the show, and there's enough material for parents to enjoy as well. I read that when it started being sold to a global audience, there was pressure to redub the voices, but the creators stood firm and said the Aussie accents are part of the package. Anyway, keep up the great work. Thanks, Jordy. Um, cool. I'm always looking for a good family-friendly entertainment. My son is really committed to the uh, PJ masks. <laughs> Just can't budge him off. The PJ mask oh, does it's it's the right time. You fight crime. I can't think of a rhyme. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Uh, I want to do a quick shout out to Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts um, while we're talking about animation. Ooh. Awesome show. Okay. Highly recommend it. Where is that one streaming? That's on Netflix. Okay. Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast. Writing that down. Uh, I just started, I just got persuaded him to watch um, uh, Marvel Superheroes or whatever it's called. It's the like super kids version that's on Disney Plus of mm-hmm. Spider Man and Iron Man and Thor and all that. They have that, you know, weird like big hands, big feet version. Anyway, so I'm trying. I'm trying to, str- but he's like, no, dad, PKMS. <laughs> it's all day, all the time. Um, my parting gift, I, I didn't, correct me if I brought this up last week. I don't think I did, but uh, Christian, I I love a show called Letter Kenny. <laughs> did I talk about that? Yeah, we talked about it offline. I don't think we talked about it. Okay, show. Uh, this is not the kind of show that I thought I would ever love, but my goodness, it's funny, and I think it has got such a clever style to it. the The humor is really whip smart, quick. Uh, I'm laughing, and I miss two or three jokes because I'm laughing. Um, it started as a YouTube show. It's now available on Hulu, which is where I'm watching it. I watched the first episode. And I was like, oh, man, I man, I hope there's more than just one episode here on Hulu. Uh, eight seasons, 56 episodes. So I was like, oh, OK. Very funny, you know, adult humor. But it is. Um, yeah, I love it. I love Letterkenny. So give it a chance. If you're looking for a half hour comedy that make you laugh, it's about a bunch of hicks in Canada. Uh, self self-described, but uh, very smart. It's. There's one thing of doing dumb humor smartly, and I love that. Uh, you have to be really smart to do good dumb humor, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Medical Police. You guys watch that? It's same exact thing. It's yeah. so dumb, but it's smart, <laughs> kind of. I heard that show, like, you need to have watched uh, – I don't think that's true. I think you'll get more out of it, but I think you can just jump in. Right. Well, there you go. Double your Double your parting gifts, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Danish Syed and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us in real time. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the awesome music and bumpers that you hear on the show. And thank you to each and every one of you who listen to our show and download it and 
tell your friends about it and spread the word. Boy, we're grateful. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.